Hello and welcome to FuturePod. I'm Peter Hayward. The COVID-19 pandemic is rolling around the world, extinguishing expected futures and opening up the possibilities of different ones. At FuturePod, we have decided to speak to our previous guests and ask them what this moment in time means to them and, more importantly, to all of us. If you would like to know more about the guests we speak to, then please check out their earlier interview on the website, futurepod.org. Today, our guest is Bridget Engler. Welcome back to FuturePod, Bridget. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for asking me back. So, Bridget, where are you and what's going on around you? That's a bit of a meta question. So physically and emotionally, uh, I'm mostly in Melbourne. I mean physically because that's where I'm in self-isolation and have been for a number of weeks. And emotionally, that's home for me. So that's very much where my head and my heart are at the moment. And I will be doing a little bit, um, which apparently is legal, uh, of going to support uh, a family member who needs some help with his child. So I'll be doing a little bit of driving around. But yeah, that's where I am. So the the choice for self-isolation was, it began way back in January, February, uh, Mm. when I was very aware of what was emerging around the the COVID-19 issue, or what was then just coronavirus. And uh, having an elderly mum who lives with me, it became quite a pressing consideration uh, as to what the risks were for her as much as me and the rest of the community around me. Yes, it's it's been a fascinating exploration of our supposed independence and interdependence. Yes, yes, and it's um it's been a challenge for a number of people in it well precisely in those terms and the the inability to take responsibility for our own actions as part of the collective. Uh, so wanting to to be who we are and do the things we want to do, but acknowledging that that has consequences when you are part of a bigger a bigger thing than um, your immediate little bubble or, or world that you perceive. So, yeah, but I, I think intellectually it's also been an interesting few weeks because I've I've been involved with a couple of projects that have been directly. Are not impacted, but there are direct connections into and around this coronavirus and uh, coronavirus and, and the the global health crisis or pandemic. Uh, so one has been a piece around futures of work, and the other has been a called biomedical research project. And even though no, neither of them have anything to do with coronavirus, that have absolutely everything to do with coronavirus. So. For me, it's that I suppose it's a passion thing of mine. What does everyone have? Pet projects and passion projects. I'm always interested in unintended consequences and and both of those pieces of work have been subject to intended and unintended consequences. Plus there's also been the immediate challenge of taking a university to online and I have to say for all of the challenges that have gone with it, I'm immensely excited by the universities that have literally risen to the challenge and said, right, we're going to upend everyone and, and get you working from home and support students. So the response um, within the tertiary world has been quite good. That's good. Yeah. The other thing that, that has been on my mind is this whole notion of the AFL crisis. Um, it's, I, you better explain that one to the audience. Uh, so AFL is you know, our, our national sport or religion, depending on what you do and what you believe. 
and the whole of our, our, our game that runs for what seems to be most of the calendar year has been thrown into disarray because we can't play together, we can't have matches, we can't attend, we can't engage in social activity that is such a part of Aussie rules uh, football. But for a number of nights in a row, that was the lead topic on the news. And I did a quick comparison of all of the news stations on each night. And the AFL crisis, which I believe was its official term, was the lead story three nights in a row on three out of four of the major broadcasters. Uh, and so for me, that was giving a little more context to what is actually a crisis in our world. Yeah. And I love the social element of that. I understand and really value what AFL uh, does with our culture, but <laughs> it, it just seemed kind of weird yeah, and, and a, a, a complete juxtaposition with, I suppose, the seriousness of, of the, the challenges that we maybe haven't quite understood yet. Uh, and I suppose in, in terms of where I am, that's the bit that you know, I'm going to steal from Donna Haraway again because I think I did last time, about staying with the trouble. We're very interested in moving on from this, where whether that be our politicians or other social systems and political systems, whether it's business wanting certainty, we just seem to be really interested in moving on when we haven't actually been able to sit with what this really means. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that the uh, the secular shock in England through the soccer, Italy with the soccer was even earlier, uh, yeah, in America with the you know the loss of the basketball and of course the start, the loss of the start of the national pastime, the baseball. I mean, it's almost as if, as we live in sort of you know our liquid modernity, as Zygmunt Bauman calls it, we have this real preoccupation with individualism, which is obviously a marketing opportunity. But we actually have a secular, communitarian behaviour that is built around sport. Mm-hmm or sports teams. Yeah. And you're right, the loss of that secular ability to be together mm. has been heartfelt in Melbourne and I've got to say I would imagine it's been heartfelt all over the world when they've lost the one thing that in their individualistic lives a tribe they can belong to. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's aside from the commercial component, which uh, is very real and a very big deal in terms of the industry that is uh, not just AFL but a lot of, of sport. And that, that's not an indictment on that. It's simply a, there is a commercial element to that that is real and uh, critical, but it is that social aspect that we've lost a Saturday activity, possibly a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday and Sunday activity for many people in Victoria and indeed around Australia. And that is reflected in those other parts of the world where sport is part of what you do and part of who you are and you make yourself part of that. And there is a very, I don't want to say an identity crisis, but there's a a real, it was an AFL crisis, but maybe not in the terms that the media was portraying it. I don't think we've really dealt with that yet. And I don't expect that we will anytime soon. No, no. no. Well, again, and I think the other thing that I I just read an opinion piece this morning was that a lot of the sporting clubs are very concerned that if people try to rediscover their identity without them. Yeah. There's, there's no guarantee they will return with the great passion and identification with them. Yeah, this and there is very much a notion of us and them 
I'm finding pervading every discussion, whether it's you know workers and employers, whether it's um, technology versus non-technology users. There's it, it's not the war or adversity discourse, but it's this this you know, binary us and them, those who have, those who have not, those who are employed, those who aren't. And I think reflects some of the tension I'm I'm feeling around businesses and, and the the ongoing refrain around, oh, but we need clarity. We we just need to know what's happening. Well, yeah, be maybe some clearer communication from certain authorities would be great. And maybe there is some clarity that that could be communicated that hasn't been as yet. But this this whole <laughs> I suppose the expectation that we're just going to get it sorted and then and it'll be okay and, and we'll have certainty and clarity around things. Uh, I was on a, a chat with a, a group of people the other day and I just said, hang on a minute, you know, all of this stuff that you're wanting about, you know, we just want to know what's going on and we just want to know what's happening and, and we need some clarity or certainty around this. Said, you know, it's a pandemic. You can't have that. And I went, did my, I suppose, my usual little... <gasps> Uh, there is no such thing. We can't talk about futures that <laughs> haven't been created. We're in the middle of this really tense, difficult bit. And a few of the people in the conversation appreciated someone actually calling out, even though I was quite blunt about it. And it actually came up in discussion with um, around notions of design leadership the other day. And someone saying, oh, it's great that we have all of these possibilities, but you know, my, my, how do I deal with this in in situations where where, where people are just going to find that all really terrifying and 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 we're not sure what to do? And I said, just tell them that. Uh, it, it's really hard, and I know I'm sounding really flippant about it, but you have to create a space where those conversations are about. And I suppose from a, a force, a strategic foresight or futurist, futures thinking perspective, that often is what we do: create the space for those conversations to be had, whether they're comfortable or not. It's, it is our responsibility to do that and they're, they're the things that I'm finding interesting. They're kind of emerging. So I'm seeing the, the end of some kinds of conversations and I'm seeing the beginnings of others but I'm also seeing a whole load of other topics morph in and around this, around you know, we've seen um, socialist employment policies from our current government in Australia. Mm, not sure about that. But also the discussion around you know, is this real science? Is this fake science? Um, who do we trust? Mm. So the notion of authority is coming up again in these conversations. That well, you know, so and so told me this, but I've read this elsewhere, and that feels very problematic in a world where people are kind of clamouring for what comes next. It has. I mean, again, it sounds very callous, but it this has been good for for incumbent leadership because a, a lot of leaders were looking lost certainly in Australia around the time of the bushfires because, you know, because the, <laughs> yeah. the climate, you know, yeah. because what to do about climate change, it's not as straightforward as, well, we just need to, you know, go to solar power and that'll fix it. It's not a, you know, yeah, it is. Far more change. Yeah. We find. And the leaders, of course, w- either weren't able or weren't willing to step into that space and were looking pretty impotent. And But it struck me how, this this emergency has almost allowed leaders around the world to almost find their bearings again because you know we're now seeing around the world that the opinions that public hold of their leaders are starting to go back up again it's interesting it is interesting and i think there is that 
there there is a I won't say it's a vacuum, but there is a gap that's the kind of waiting to be not so much filled, but waiting to be populated by people who can take on those roles, whether they be short term, longer term, you know, supporting us through a particular period of time or or otherwise. This notion that this is the this is the big deal and this is the issue that is affecting all of us has has kind of put some other things on the back burner. And I I think your point around bushfires is a critical one. We had an absence of leadership in in some ways during that period in Australia. And I think that was patently obviously uh, well, patently obvious to everyone in the world at the time. However, bushfires and climate change and those kinds of things have almost disappeared from the public agenda and and media dialogue and and people's concerns, except in some smaller pockets. And it it does worry me that the climate change or climate crisis or whatever terms you want to apply to it, those are the the aspects of our futures that are yet to be dealt with and have just been parked for a little bit because something else more pressing is here. Mm. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not. I'm certainly not denying the the significance of of where we are right now as as a a global population or as a global context. But things have slipped back and. There's there's just things that have had to take second or third place in in reporting in coverage, uh, and it's other aspects of health, it's other aspects of society. I haven't got a, a shopping list, but I certainly know that there's a number of bills and policies on various government agendas around the world that have just managed to go through. And no one has really noticed them. I think we're particularly guilty of that in Australia with a couple of bills that have been passed almost silently in in our government and here. And other things like, well, I, mean, I don't want to throw gender in there as a token, but there there hasn't been a lot of focus on women, I suppose, and, and gender in the, the current global crisis. The political and social effects globally uh, mean that while you've got 70-odd percent of, of women on the front line of healthcare pretty much anywhere in the world, most of the decisions are not infused with any kind of gender perspective, let, let alone decisions being made with any kind of gen, gender lens. And this is really difficult, particularly when we know that not only does the, does it, the impact of, of health on women uh, fare more greatly, but we also know that there are other aspects um, as challenges for women about isolation and particularly around domestic violence and mental health. Yes, there's, uh, again, back to your point about staying with the trouble, at least appreciating when we move into difficult times, it often amplifies the the deep issues that were present, but they now can't be ignored. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, Haraway's work has become more and more significant, I find, in our inability to, I actually commented on Twitter about this recently, that the ability to hold something but equally with everything else that we need to hold at the same time, that ability to acknowledge that this is an issue and it's also not an issue and that there will be variations and flux uh, and acknowledging those systems challenges and maybe not changing, just emerging and unfolding. And I, when I say changing, of course they're changing. I just mean they're not changing irrevocably in one direction or another. 
there's a whole bunch of aspects of this um, this global challenge that I unfortunately see just going back to where we were. There's a lot of business as usual in the approaches, in policy work, uh, the approaches around, around healthcare and that notion that well, we're just going to have a normal at the end of this and we'll go back to the way things were. I, I feel a nostalgia for the way things were and I have actually seen people commenting quite publicly about watching television programs and seeing people hugging and shaking hands and thinking, oh, my God, will I ever do that again? That's just not right. I hope that that brings a heightened awareness around those differences as we seek to come through the other side, wherever that is and whatever that is, whenever that is. In our remaining time, I'm just going to pivot ever so slightly. Yeah. After this, and you are one of the one of the more interesting creative thinkers, there are many possible futures on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. What are some of your ideas that we might start to see post this? Well, the first thing... I have in my head around that is whether the, the Western-dominated paradigms continue. Mm. So whether the discourses and the scenarios that are most often propagated and used or misused remain those Western-centric visualisations and depictions. Mm. We've talked about the, the, the rise of the Asian century or the emergence of the Asian century for a few years now and kind of feel that that has often been lost and particularly this um, negative perception towards China and, and all of the conspiracy theories about creating the virus and it being just a big tra- uh, global trade war issue. Mm. I hope to see a continuance of the community, whatever community is. I hope to see and I, I, I suspect we will see um, a proliferation of people supporting one another. Uh, whether we'll see the emergence of the Airbnbs uh, and, uh, and Stripe as we did after the global financial crisis in 2008, I don't know. And I, I kind of hope we don't because they have been called into question in terms of their ethics and practices. Mm. I hope that we see um, some some shifts around what is basic hygiene, that after this maybe we do pay attention to the things that we all thought were really normal and boring mm. and that the, those kinds of images of futures that just seem way too conventional but are actually significant can shine through. There's also preposterous futures around um, security, around changes in global borders. I had a, a discussion with someone the other day about having to have a global health certificate that allows me into countries. So it's not a visa anymore, it's a health visa. It mm. says I haven't had this and some countries will allow me in and some won't. As I, have, I had to carry a certificate for yellow fever a few years ago to prove that mm. I had a vaccination. That They're the kinds of things that I see emerging more than anything else. Um, and maybe we'll start to understand what crisis really means in terms of globalisation with trade. Um, that we'll start to appreciate what we have and, and those relationships that are significant and value them uh, more than just being able to buy asparagus all year round. Uh, and the other piece that I see has, has been around this surveillance, so the, the notion that you, know, you, 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 can ha- you can not only be monitored uh, around where you are and you can be tracked using your phone, the, the workarounds of will go out but leave your phone at home don't work because there are people actually watching you. And that's not around the surveillance capitalism. It is about surveillance safety and the well-being of communities. And it's how far down the track we'll actually see those as good things, things that we will tolerate and accept mm. because they are in our, you know, in the greater good. 
they're the things I see at the moment. I just hope we can rest with the the, the the community and the encouragement and the global support and that maybe those values that we obviously do share can transcend a lot of the other concerns and maybe we get a new era of trust. It'll be slow, but maybe there is a new era of trust that can emerge from this. That's a good note to finish on, Bridget. Thanks very much for taking out some time to spend some time with the uh, with the FuturePod community uh, and all the best to to your mother and uh, and your relatives you're supporting and uh, do take care of yourself. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Peter. This has been another production from FuturePod. FuturePod is a not-for-profit venture. We exist through the generosity of our supporters. If you would like to support FuturePod, go to the Patreon link on our website. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. This is Peter Hayward saying goodbye for now.